0: Let's pray, shall we, and ask for the Lord to help us. And then we'll look at Psalm 43. Oh God, our Father in heaven, we thank you that in love you have adopted us to be children, to be sons of the living God. We thank you that our Savior, the Lord Jesus, has loved his own people to the end, Thank you that nothing can ever separate your people from your love. Even in all of eternity in heaven, you you can never love us more than you do right now. So God, thank you for your unchangeableness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your covenant truth. Thank you, O God, that you deserve worship even as we read the word and study it and then pray together we pray O lord that you would minister deeply to all of our hearts as we come to your word in jesus name amen psalm 43 psalm 43 okay i titled it more help for the depressed again Because last week, we looked at sort of part one, help for the despairing and the depressed. And now God has given another psalm for those who are despairing. And uh, I'll talk more about that here in a little bit on why there are two psalms back to back on this. Follow with me as I read Psalm 43. It's real short. It's real brief. But follow with me as I read all of it. And uh, I told my daughter, I said, just because it's a short psalm, don't don't be deceived. I have a long sermon. So... (laughs) I'm probably not even going to get through all of my notes, but that's okay. Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and the unjust man, for you are the God of my strength. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling places. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy. And upon the lyre I shall praise you, O God, my God. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. And then the conclusion is for the choir director. William Bridge, William Bridge was a Puritan pastor in England in the 1600s. He co-pastored with a good friend of his, maybe you know the name Jeremiah Burroughs. William Bridge was such a clear, such a compelling, and such a popular preacher that his church was filled and packed by 7 o'clock in the morning each day to hear him preach the Word. On one occasion, he preached a series of 13 sermons that is titled, A Lifting Up, for the downcast. It's put together in a little Puritan paperback book. It's worth every penny and a lot more. A lifting up for the downcast. In that book, he reveals help for those who are despairing, those help for those who are discouraged, help for those who are battling melancholy, or we might call it depression in our day. He said, quote, faith in God is the help against all discouragement. Hoping, Trusting, waiting on God, is the special, if not the only means, appointed against all discouragements of life. What, what, what's the hope? What's the cure? What do you do? Where do you go when the difficult times come? What is the lifting up for the downcast? And he would say, it is a strong faith in a mighty God. Another Puritan, Richard Baxter, he calls it the cure for overmuch sorrow. He said, you need faith in a mighty God. I need that, and you need that. We need that today. We need faith in a mighty God. Jim Neuheiser, we've been watching his videos for those who have been in the biblical counseling um, classes, the care group. He gives advice to Christians. Let me just tell you what he says to Christians who are battling spiritual depression. Number one, he said, Christian, you have to persevere. Just persevere. Don't give up. Just persevere. Number two, he said, Christian, you have to focus on certain eternity to come, not on the possible healings that might come now. Focus on heaven rather than the possible healings of the here and now. Third, he said, you need to know your physical and your emotional limits and humbly abide therein. He said, great counsel here. He said, don't fight alone, but also don't put your ultimate hope in other people. So don't do it alone, but don't put all of your hope in other people. And then number five, he said, remember that you're part of an army. You're not a single soldier, but you're in a victorious army. Psalm 43 is the psalm for the day for me and you. Remember last week I said that one out of five Americans, many say one out of five Americans at some point in their life will battle what many call severe major depression. Psalm 43 is really the the, the psalm that God has given for great help. Psalms 42 and 43. Here's a summary of the psalm. It's it's really simple. It's only five verses. Here's what's happening. You have the psalmist saying, I need you, God. I need you. And then he says, but I feel abandoned. And then he says, but I need guidance from you, Lord. I will choose to worship God. And then he concludes by saying, I will and I must hope in God. If you look in your outline, you see a few few, uh, bullet points there where it talks about how the psalm is brief. It's a very short psalm. It's also heartfelt. The psalmist is just gushing forth his emotion to God. It's real. I mean, the psalm is down to earth. It's very relevant and very practical. And the psalm is filled with hope. I believe that Psalms 42 and 43 were originally one psalm. They were combined as one psalm because of the refrain of Psalm 42, 5, 42, 11, and then the exact same refrain in 43, verse 5. But interestingly, in the intertestamental period, after the Old Testament was finished and before the New Testament, in that 400-year time, the two psalms were split in two. And I think that that is good and most helpful because there might be times when you battle great discouragement, great hardship, great despair, great melancholy, and then, and then you're counseled and you come to the Lord and you find renewed joy and strength and then maybe before you know it, you fall back into it again. And Psalm 43 is that next Psalm for you to come back to right after Psalm 42. God gives two Psalms back to back to help me and to help you refocus. I said it last week, and I'll say it again. What I'm going to say here this evening and what we as biblical counselors say about depression is we we at no point want to pit what the Bible says against the medical profession. We're, We're not denying doctors. We're not saying that the medical profession is of no value. Not at all. In fact, biblical counselors would encourage counselees to go get a physical examination. See if there is something physical going on, perhaps with the thyroid or or sleep or appetite related or something like that. Uh, Medical doctors can be helpful with that. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a theologian. We are Bible students here. We can help with that. Psalm 43 is going to give great help for the depressed. And what I want to do this evening is I want you to hear with me from the psalm, what do you do? What do you do when you find yourself in the deep, dark despair of the soul? What do you do? We must hope in God. And I want to show you this in three God-given, And we could call them reliable counsels. And they're there in your outline. Number one, you have to unburden your heart. Number two, you have to follow your God. And then number three, you have to counsel your own soul. So let's walk through these one by one together. The psalm is brief. It's real short, but mark it in your biblical counseling toolkit that when you are battling in your own heart or dealing with others, Psalm 42 and 43 is a great go-to place to go for those who are battling depression. So what do you do? Here's the reliable counsel. Number one, unburden your heart. It's almost like verse one is where the psalmist is just gonna throw off any facade and he's just gonna honestly dump out his heart struggles to God. You know what? How are you doing? You know, Sunday conversation. And we might say, I'm doing okay, but inwardly, I might be a mess. The psalmist doesn't do that. How are you doing? Let me tell you how I'm doing. Look at verse one. Vindicate me, O God. Plead my case against an ungodly nation. Deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. You're the God of my strength, but you've rejected me. Why do I go mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. He's like, God, I want you to vindicate me. I want you to plead my case from the nation. I feel like the nation has turned against me. I need you to deliver me, verse one, from deceivers, from troublers, from evildoers. Help me, is verse one. It's just very simple. Help me, O oh God, help me, verse one. Verse two, you can't miss this. For you are the God of my strength. That Hebrew word strength is quite an interesting word. It signifies a strong place of refuge. You are my strength, my place of refuge. It it implies that you can quickly run to God and you can quickly hide in God. You can run quickly to the stronghold and this is your God. He's your strength. You can run to him daily. You can run to him again. He's not far. It reminds me of of King David. When King David is, is the anointed king and he's running for his life from the jealous and the vicious and the bloodthirsty King Saul. And David is running for his life and he finds a refuge in the cave of Adullam. He finds refuge. He finds safety in the shelter over him. He quickly ran. He quickly found shelter. That's maybe an illustration. You can do that with God when the difficult times come. Proverbs 30 verse 5, God is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Psalm 46 verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. And after all, Point one is unburden your heart. You know who did this? Jesus. In John chapter 12, verse 27, as Jesus was contemplating Gethsemane and the cross, he said, now my soul is troubled. And he prays to the Father and he pours out his heart to the Father. Jesus is your captain. He's the one who leads in this. Unburden your heart to the Father just like Jesus did. John Calvin has a great word on this. He said, As children unburden their troubles to their parents, we ought to go to God with our prayers. You know, imagine a a young child three, four, five, six years of age. And and the young child is scared and he's fearful and he's troubled. And and what he does is he runs quickly to his dad or he runs to his mom and he climbs in his parents' lap and he just pours out his heart. He's not afraid of anything. He just pours out his heart to his parent because he knows that his parent will give them safety. What a picture of how we can do that with God. Verse 2, you're the God of my strength. Even when you feel like God has rejected you, theologically, according to biblical truth, has God rejected you? No. Why do I go mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. I feel like God has abandoned me. But we don't live by our feelings. We must live by truth. In that great hymn that Charles Wesley wrote, Jesus, lover of my soul, He said, other refuge have I none. I helpless hang on thee. Leave, oh, leave me not alone. Support and comfort me. All my trust on thee is stayed. All help from thee I bring. Cover my defenseless head in the shadow of thy wing. What do you do, Christian? When... You battle spiritual despair and depression. What do you do? You unburden your heart to God. Or maybe to use the language of Peter, cast all your anxieties upon him. Because he cares for you. Unburden your heart. Number two, notice what the psalmist does. Here's another reliable divine counsel in your outline. What do you do in the times of despair? Number two, follow your God. Follow your God. Not follow your heart. That's terrible counsel. Don't follow the world. That's bad counsel. Don't follow the culture. Don't follow what feels right. Follow God. Because the plea for deliverance in verses 1 and 2 is now met with a plea for guidance. God, I need you to guide me. Maybe it would be worth asking when the difficult, despairing times come, where do you quickly go? for leading. Who who leads and guides you? I mean, it's easy to go to the professionals. It's easy to go to the blogs. It's easy to go to the friends. It's easy to go to a counselor, and there can be some merit to some of those. But here's what the psalmist does. Look at verse three. He goes right to God. Oh, send out your light and your truth, and let them lead me. Lord, I feel like you've forsaken me. I feel like you've abandoned me. I feel forsaken. Lord, I need your light, and I need your truth. Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light to my path. Psalm 119 verse 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. Lord, Lord, I need light. I feel like I'm just walking in darkness. Often those who are battling depression can use language of dark. I, I feel like the dark night of the soul. I feel trapped in darkness. I feel like I'm in this room all alone. I'm isolated. Well, you need light. You need light from God. God. And not only light, we need truth. Psalm 119, verse 142, your law is truth. Psalm 119, verse 160, the sum of your word is truth. When I was in college, I had a man, he was a professor who discipled me. I remember approaching him asking if we would study the Bible together. And so he would take me to Starbucks. We would have one thing in our hand, and that's our Greek New Testament. And uh, he would disciple me. He would talk to me about purity and walking in Christ and pastoral ministry and walking in godliness. And Will Varner said this, stop feeding on your feelings and you have to start feeding on God's word. What a great line. You have to stop feeding on your feelings and you have to start feeding on God's word. What a great line. Boys and girls, what a great line for you as well. Don't live by your feelings, but rather feed on the word of God. And I think when the psalmist in verse 3 is saying, Send your light and your truth, let them lead me, I think that the psalmist is reflecting on the wilderness experience of the people of Israel. How? Remember how God led his people in the desert? He led them through the cloud and the pillar of fire by night. God was faithful to them even when they were wandering and when they felt alone and when they had hardships and they had troubles. Like Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on their way And in a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they might travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. It's almost like the psalmist is saying, God, remember how you led your people? They were wandering. They were in the wilderness. They were in the desert. They felt abandoned. Do that to me. Lead me. Guide me. Give me your light. And your truth. I pray and hope that that is, in fact, the place where you find guidance from the Lord, light and truth from the Word of God. This is the place for hope. And what that will do, if you look at verse three, back to our Psalm, what will that do? If you go to the light of God and you go to the truth of God, it will lead you, but it will lead you, guess what? to the opposite of what depression tells you to do. Depression says go and lay down and stay in your room and don't talk with anyone. Be alone. Be isolated. Nobody can relate to you. Nobody can understand you. But not verse 3. Verse 3 says, Oh, no, no, no. Let God lead you and guide you, and his word will bring you to the holy hill. He will bring you to the dwelling places. I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy. And I will praise you on the lyre, O God, my God. I was reading the testimony of a man, a Christian, a pastor, who battled depression he said, you know what we need? We need a life jacket of friends. That's what he called it. A life jacket of friends. He said, quote, I was desperate for someone who cared enough to ask questions and to let me talk about what was going on in my heart and how I felt, not just one or two times, but over a long period of time. For many years, I have battled this. And so I knew I needed a friend, and I asked a man in my church to begin meeting with me regularly for prayer. I didn't even know the man that well, but I had enough contact with him to know that he was mature, and I knew that he would become a good friend, and he was. One of the the great things that God has designed in the church is the church is a hospital for the hurting, isn't it? It's a hospital for the hurting. I mean, we don't all have it together. We all battle. We all have our struggles. We all have the sins that we are battling. But depression and despair and melancholy and all this will lead to more isolation. It will lead to disconnection. It will lead to self-pity. It will lead to unvocalized and unmet expectations. It will lead to self absorbed thoughts. And all of those are deadly. All of them are deadly. What we need to do, learning from the psalmist, is we have to learn to utilize and proactively seek other people out in the church. We have to be vulnerable. We have to invite people in, share honestly, I'm struggling, ask me how I'm doing, pray for me, hold me accountable, ask me the heart questions and the hard questions, journey through life together. It's the the beautiful plan and design of God in the church. You can't do it alone. God never created you to do it alone. We do it, we grow with others. In the family of God. And Israel, Israel knew that. The psalmists knew that. I will come to the dwelling places of God. I'll go to the altar of God. Notice verse 4. Look at it here. Middle of verse 4. He goes back to his theology. Do you, do you remember verse 2? He felt like God abandoned him. Remember that? God, I feel like you've forsaken me. But now in verse 4, no, no, no. I'm back to my theology that I know to be true. God, you are my exceeding joy. You are my exceeding joy. Let me, let me simply remind you, Christian. Jesus said in John 15, verse 11, that if we abide in him... And we bear much fruit and we pray. You know what he says? He says, I tell you these things so that your joy may be made full. He he wants you to have abundant joy. In John 16, 24, ask and you will receive so that your joy will be made full. Jesus prayed in John 17, verse 13. He prayed so that our joy would be made full. 2nd John verse 12 John wrote the letter so that the believers' joy would be made full So let me let me remind you I know you know this but let me remind you because in moments of depression sometimes we don't think clearly so let me remind you the source of all gladness the fountain of all comfort the spring of all delights the storehouse of all hope and medicine and comfort is this. Jesus has loved me and he has given himself for me. Galatians 2.20. That is the storehouse of all Christian comfort. My Savior has loved me and he has given himself up for me. He's loved me. He's died for me. He paid the price. My Savior has done it all. And that's a fact that can never be altered. That's why one of the Puritans said, Christian, you always need to live in sight of the cross. Even when you're going through the valleys, make sure that you keep your eyes up to Calvary. Keep living in sight of the cross. Christian, remember, you can say, I have the light of Christ. You can say, I have the truth of Scripture. You can say, I have the captain of my soul to be my God. You can say, I have the seal of heaven. You can say, I have the joys of infinite bounty to come in glory. You can say, I have the promise of the heavenly worship that is soon to arrive. And you can say, I have the resurrected Lord as my champion. You can say in verse 4, He is God, my exceeding joy. Even when you may not feel like it, you can still declare the theological truth. It never changes. What joy! What joy! To have God as your exceeding joy. And if he's not your exceeding joy tonight, come, come to him. Come and rest your weary, burdened soul in him. So Psalm 43, it just gives counsel. It gives help for us. Number one, unburden your heart. Number two, follow your God. And now number three, just verse five, quickly is, we draw this to a close. Number five, counsel your soul. And I mentioned it last week, but I'll, I'll say it again here. The importance of counseling your own heart. In the email that went out this morning preparing for tonight, there's a little link there to Richard Baxter's 51-page PDF on the cure for melancholy and overmuch sorrow. What a great way to term that, overmuch sorrow. In that, the Puritan said, it is the refuge of my soul that quiets me in all my fears, that God, my Father and my Redeemer, he has commanded me to trust in him with my body, my health, my liberty, my estate, even with my eternity. Heaven and earth are upheld and maintained by my God. How could I distrust him? And then he said, Believe God, trust God, and your cares and your fears and your griefs will vanish. Verse 5. Why? Why are you in despair, O oh, my soul? The NASB has despair. If you have ESV, why are you cast down, oh my soul? Or the NIV even has, why are you discouraged? The Hebrew word means to be sunk down to the ground in deep mourning. Deep mourning. Why are you down on the ground in utter despair and mourning, my soul? And then the second phrase, why are you disturbed? ESV has, why are you in turmoil? King James, I like this, has, why are you disquieted? The word means tumultuous. Why is my soul tumultuous? Why is my soul overburdened? Why, why, why? Here's what you do, hope in God. Maybe when you're working out, when you're exercising, when you're driving, when you're walking to class, when you're showering, whatever, you counsel your own heart. Soul, you need to hope in God again today. Hope in God. Don't listen to yourself. Rather, counsel yourself. One man said, no two things fit more perfectly together than an all-sufficient Savior and a needy sinner. They fit together well. And Paul Paul knew this in 2 Corinthians when he was writing to the believers and even Paul himself battled with deep, deep grief when he said, we don't lose heart, but our outer man is decaying. Our inner man is being renewed day by day. 2 Corinthians 4, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. We look not at the things which are seen, but are the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are all temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We need that proper perspective. Divine reliable counsels, unburden your heart. Unburden your heart. Follow your God. Counsel your soul. The psalmist knew, hope in God, I will again praise him. He's the help of my countenance, and he is my God. Very quickly, in your outline, you see just some pastoral pieces of counsel that I put there. I recognize we all battle with discouragement at different times. We all do. I do and you do. We all battle with Um, despair to different degrees, different lengths of time. We all do. We've been there. But what do you know and what do we have to implement? Number one, remember. Remember the past faithfulnesses of God. Because sometimes in depression, things just become so focused on right now. My life is a mess right now but wait a minute, look at how faithful God has been all along. Number two, gather. This is important because there have been so many times where people go through trials and the temptation by living by feelings is to, I don't need the church right now. I just need some time away. No, you don't need time away. We need to choose and prioritize and get up and go to the assembly. I need the people of God. So remember, gather, and then third, preach. Preach gospel truth. The atoning death of Christ and his life and resurrection to yourself. Number four, triumph. Triumph. Because even in the hard times, you can say, even when you don't feel it, the victory is won. Well, the battle may rage on, no doubt. The battle rages on and our enemy hates us, but our savior always leads us in triumph, triumphal procession. Number five, one of my favorite biblical counseling assignments to those who are depressed. Number five, serve. You need to get up, find someone in your church and tangibly serve them. Why? Because depression is self-absorbed. It's self-focused. But what do we do? Serve others. Find a man, a woman, a couple, a family. Find someone and, and serve them tangibly, sacrificially, regularly. What a great way to show the love of Christ to those in the body. And then finally, number six, pray. Run to God and seek his face. I know much more, much, much more could be said on the topic of despair and depression and melancholy. And the word of God is so, so helpful for us when we battle with this. I'll conclude where I began with Puritan William Bridge. He said, faith in God is the help against all discouragements, hoping Trusting, waiting on God, is the special, if not the only, God-given means appointed against all discouragements. What do you do? Hope in God. Hope in God. Wonderful psalms. So relevant and needed and practical.